What's up, everybody? Today on Stacked, Trippin' on Plantitude. A masterclass in panel layouts. And reforging the Trinity. This is Francis Manipul's Trinity. What's up, everybody? I'm Brandon. And I'm your exotic farm boy, Brendan. And welcome to Stacked, the show where we discuss stories from all over the world of comics. I'm going to call you out because you've used a farm boy once, but this time you put a twist on it. You said exotic. Explain that. Yeah. So what happened, this is a great story. What happened is, is I meant to say exotic plant boy, ah. but for some reason I said exotic farm boy. Thank you guys for tuning in to Stacked today. We really appreciate it. This is issue 69. All right. I thought it was 70. <laughs> I lost track of counting. <laughs> Brennan labeled this file wrong again, and it's going to confuse me slightly when I open it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yes, issue 69. Hope you guys are having a good week. Hope you guys had a good Halloween we certainly had a fun Halloween last night. What did we do, Brennan? What did we do for Halloween? <laughs> we watched some good old Nick Cage. We did. We watched We watched Nick just be Nick. We did. And it was amazing. I don't regret any of it. In fact, I wish I could do it again. Look, welcome to, this is a comic book podcast, but do yourself a favor and go watch Mom and Dad starring the ever classic Nick Cage. It is actually really enjoyable and just buck wild. I think. Buck wild, Nick. I think it's now on my list of like, Movies I have to watch around Halloween time. And it's not even like a particularly Halloween-y movie. I just, it was so much fun. I just wanted an yeah. excuse to watch it more often. <laughs> yeah. Keep doing you, Nick. You, yeah, Keep Nick. doing you. <laughs> Please never change. Um, well, yeah, I hope you guys had a good Halloween. We definitely did. Um, we're solidly in November now, November 1st. That's pretty scary. Um, so we're kicking this month off by uh, checking out. Uh, we're going back to D.C. for a bit. And we're going to, today we're talking about a book called Trinity, which is a fantastic book, uh, by Francis Manipul. And this is an interesting book because Francis Manipul wrote, drew, and colored all of it himself, which is pretty friggin' impressive. With the exception of two issues. Yeah, there's two issues that were drawn by somebody else. I'm, I, I don't know why. I'm assuming that's like a work workload thing, maybe. Yeah, it's my guess. A lot of the times it seems... Like that's just done to help help them keep on schedule, I guess. Like, um, and I should actually preface this: the guy that draws the other two pages, um, I lost the name. It's uh, Emanuela Lupacino. Yeah, they're a terrific artist. Like their yeah. art, their art looks great too. Like not, it's not not bad by any means. It's just there's a very distinct difference between uh, Francis Manipal and like how he draws panels based off of like his art style, which is very much seen from. You know, if you read his run on The Flash and if you read this, like in the first like few pages, it's very clear the kind of style and layout he does. And then whereas um, Emmanuel is um, a lot is a little more traditional in terms of like just like very clean boxes. Yeah, he's great as well. I, I would say Manipul, though, I think is like just one of the most unique artists around right now. Um, like for like Francis Manipul. I could like look at a page knowing none of the characters from like feet away and just be able to say that's a Francis Manipal page. 
You know what I mean? Like you can just like you can tell he's so distinct. He's got such a style. Uh, I uh, it's almost similar to Greg Capullo in that way. I feel the same way about Capullo. Um, I think yeah, I think he's just, he's so distinct that it's very obvious when the art changes to Emanuela. But um, but it's not a bad thing. Like like Lupacino's fantastic as well. Um, it's just it's just it's it's an obvious difference. Um, but I do will say one thing that I think is so badass before we get into the meat of this is I th- like looking at a cover of a comic and just seeing one name on the front. I was like, that's friggin' cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's like badass, dude. And yeah, so spoiler alert. We'll give you a quick spoiler alert if you don't want spoilers for Trinity. By the way, we're only covering the first six issues today, the Better Together story arc. Um, yeah, if you don't want spoilers, avert your ears because we're going to start talking about it. Yeah, all right. Today's spoiler is brought to you by the Black Mercy Plant Society. Black Mercy Plants. When you want to just get trapped in the psychosis of your own brain, uh, constantly reliving your traumatic experiences, go with Black Mercy Plants. And today's spoiler is, you look, man, if you're going to have a Black Mercy plant, you're going to have Mongol. Like, of course, yeah. Mongols in this. Yeah. So I love, and, and, and that'll kick us right in, I love the inception like nature of this where it's like <laughs> it was like it's ivy and then it's like mongol inside you know it's like it's like the yeah. dream in the and then it's mongol's baby but not mongol's baby it's actually like the subconscious of mongol of the plant that is like created a baby version of mongol in order for him to like get what he truly desires which is to get out of the plant yeah it was very inception-esque and i loved it so okay so here's my <laughs> here's my question i am super not caught up on my dc so to my understanding mongol has been, without even being fully caught up in like the new 52 era or rebirth whatever era this falls under uh, my understanding is mongol has shown up since the whole um for, uh, for the man who has everything alan moore comic that is that oh yeah is he's definitely been where a lot of this ele- there's a lot of elements taken from that to to start with a story that's kind of the structure they use it's like the Black Mercy plant was, I believe, first introduced in that, where it was uh, Mongol gave it to Superman, and it was attached to Superman, and it allowed him to see some like utopia future uh, world where he Krypton never exploded, and he got to like be happy. It's a good, co- it's a really good comic and everything like that. This comic definitely makes it seem like he's just been trapped in there this whole time or did like right. they, or did someone else do a story where like the black mercy came out and once again mongol was like trapped in it well I, I mean i don't know like so i haven't read everything but like i haven't seen mongol pop up too much he pops up in sinestro corpse war which was definitely, definitely after after yeah. <laughs> uh for the man who has everything so he's definitely hasn't been trapped in there since then mind you that Sinestro Corps 4 was like pre-rebirth or it was pre-New 52 even. So like, who knows? Uh, DC's con- DC <laughs> yeah. comics for continuity is just... I've definitely seen Mongol pop up a few times. I can't remember in exactly what, but he's been... But yeah, he, he pops up here and uh, 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 it's cool. It's cool. It's, it's, I like Mongol. I like, I like Mongol too. And like, it, I, I'm not... I'm not complaining. I think it's just for me, it's like, if you are a new reader and you want to hop... Well, here's another thing. If you're a new reader and you're like, I want to run into, I want to read a comic book, the big three. This comic makes no goddamn sense. It's not a, it's not an easy jumping in comic because they definitely talk about how the fact that the other Superman from like new 52 is dead. And this other, this new Superman who has his son, Jonathan, and uh, is married to Lois Lane 
is, is like a Superman that like uh, Bruce and Diana don't know. And that's like the whole point of this comic is that they're actually like going to have dinner with them to like yeah, un- just great. To like get to know this one, which yeah. is super weird. I also love the fact that she brings a jo- like she goes and kills herself a fresh boar, and he's like he's like is that a boar? And she's like it's a wild boar. <laughs> like, what the- so just to catch people up in case you're listening and you're not familiar with what's kind of been going on in the past few quite a few years with DC. Um, so they ran the new Fifty Two from 2011 to like 2015, 16. And uh, in that, it was a almost a complete reboot, and we got a new Superman, a very de-aged, younger Superman. Um, and wore some then, jeans. Wore some jeans, wore a t-shirt for a little while, put the suit on. Then Grant Morrison left Action Comics, and they switched him back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then what happened was, um, then an event happened called uh, Convergence, which caused a bunch of these different realities and, and universes to kind of meld back together anyways out of that event the clark kent superman and lois lane from the pre flashpoint era flashpoint was the event that triggered the new 52 though they got pulled into the prime earth which is the new 52 earth so there was a period of time where the superman from the young superman from the new 52 and the older more seasoned superman were around at the same time then the young superman died uh and this, and the so the Superman currently in comic books, uh, again maybe we're like at the point of Trinity, which we're talking about. The Superman currently that we're talking about is actually the Superman from pre-Flashpoint, uh, so he's slightly older, who married Lois, and they had a kid named Jonathan. So that's why he's not super familiar with this universe's Bruce Wayne and Diana because right. they're from the Prime Earth, and he's from pre-Flashpoint. I want a con. I want a podcast. Just like you know, drunk history. I want a podcast that's like drunk history DC comics, and it's well, just like get someone hammered and have them explain like one aspect of DC comics history. It is, it is, it is all over the place. You just get someone hammered and be like, explain the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the general premise of this comic, anyways, of uh, this uh, first story arc is um, Bruce and Diana go to Clark's uh, house, uh, basically meet. I, I don't think they. this is the first time they met them. No, uh, no. Maybe. Yeah, so uh, they go and they have dinner and it's meant to get them acquainted. And then all of a sudden they're, they are attacked by poison, ivies, you, uh, poison ivy using the Black Mercy plant. But you don't find that out until like issue two. And they then proceed to go on a group psychic trip through um, certain moments in their lives. So for Clark, it's um, it's not the moment when his dad dies. It's just like a moment when he was trying to come to terms with who he was. He's just a young kid, and I think he only just kind of found out he's an alien, or he's not even fully certain about that yet. So they go there, and it's and then it's all about Clark uh, getting to see his dad again and getting some father advice from his dad, which is like really good for him because he's a, he's a father now too. I thought that I thought his was probably my favorite of the three and then uh and then bruce's one is all about addressing him himself as a kid after his parents died and like facing that whole uh trauma and then diana's one is all about going back to themiscara and like seeing her family again so that's one immediately i was a little confused on because i don't know what the current history 
timeline is on Diana? Well, you read Azarello's run, right? Yeah, but so is that still applicable? Yep. Okay. Okay, so that makes a little more sense then, I guess. I would say, yeah, so what I say was kind of interesting is the whole comic is basically, this whole first volume is meant to uh, re-solidify the three's friendships and also kind of like deal with their own personal stuff, which really kind of great about it is like, there's like no action in these four yeah. pages. There's there's a, a brief scene with Lois and Poison Ivy, which actually puts her son in more danger than like anything, and then that's over with. There's a very brief fight with uh, Mongol, and then that's really about it. For the most part, it's all just going through going through these dreams. Clark, especially specifically the one with Jonathan and uh, Clark, is is very like just kind of peaceful and nice, and just like they're just looking for Clark who's run off. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so great because you just get like. Again, you get it's it's all about building the bond between this trinity that is not the trinity we know and love. It, it's a, it, they they're slightly unfamiliar with each other, right? Um, or at least Clark is unfamiliar with them, and so they kind of get this like the ultimate bonding experience, which is experiencing each of their own greatest traumas with each other. That's like basically the best bonding experience you could ever ask for. Um, the other thing that's great is. Cu- this com- comic kind of opens with Lois giving a uh, voiceover, like a monologue. And she's talking about how, you know, w- one of our defense mechanisms as humans is we build walls. And we build walls to keep people out, to to keep people from, like, hurting us and from hurting the people we love. We kind of build these, these emotional, wh- however you want to look at it, metaphorical walls. And uh, then at the end... In issue six, she kind of touches on how like it's important that we build the construct these walls and to keep and it's important who we keep out, but it's equally important who we let in. Um, and that is kind of, I think, the point of this whole first six issues is like Clark, Bruce, and Diana getting to a point where they can fully trust each other because they have to for the Justice League to operate properly. Those three, at at ver- the very least, need to be able to fully trust each other. And, yeah, I think that's kind of what this with this first arc is about. And I thought that was, like, I loved how that it, it kind of uh, bookended itself with that quote. I thought that was great. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really good. I like, I like that he decides to take his first story and, like, take his time with it and basically go with, like, if this is a new Superman let's like rebuild this relationship and let's let's establish what makes this relationship so good like bruce through the whole thing is very much um defensive paranoid kind of like always basically always ready to attack if he feels like there's a need to attack and then whereas like diana's got like just endless compassion there's so many times where she's just like telling him to like just relax we're like Bruce is like, this is a, like, especially with the Clark stuff. She's like, he's like, this is a terrible idea. If we've gone back in time, we're causing horrible paradox. And she's like, will you just shut up? He is <laughs> yeah. having a moment with, he is having a moment with his, his dad. It's like, he may never get this chance again. It's like, he is fully aware of the ramifications. Shut up. Let him, let him have this. It's like, he needs this. He's Bruce is like, yeah, she's, he's following his heart. That's not a good tactic of a warrior. And she's like, we're not at war. Yeah. But like, that's, that's, I think what's so great is like, it, it, it does such a good job of showcasing each of their like individual personalities and how they complement each other. Like I think Bruce needs to be around people like Diana and Clark. Otherwise he'd like fall so hard into himself. I mean, that's such a, that's such a big 
thing with Batman, right? Is like a, you know, how lost can Bruce get down the hole before he, before he becomes a, his own villain, right? And I think the Justice League is a huge factor, particularly Diana and Clark is a huge factor in in how how he manages to not. Yeah, what's interesting? I think what's interesting about this in terms of continuity and con- in general, what I think is interesting is that by all accounts, this is Superman has been operating longer than both well maybe not as long as diana because diana is like immortal um but longer than batman right so this is a superman who has like encountered a lot of stuff oh yeah this superman has a way more experience so yeah i think that's an interesting aspect to i i mean i don't know if they do this with the comic i kind of hope they do but i think it'd be an interesting aspect to explore with the idea that he is he is like the seasoned veteran in comparison to the other two. Like Batman's always like the one that's prepared. It's like, let's be honest though. This Superman has seen things you never even thought about. Yeah. Because they all got erased from your timeline. Exactly. And this Superman had interactions with an older Batman that had more experience yeah. as well. Right. So he's kind of seen all the tricks. Yeah. So I, I would kind of really like it if I really kind of hope that this comic, I mean, it's like 22 episodes issues in. So it's a bit late for them to change it if they don't. Uh, but I would like, I would love it if it turns out that they kind of explore that aspect of that relationship and try and build a different version of it that is um, that than what it's always been, which is like the mutual respect, quiet friendship. Like I want to, I want to see he, like like Clark just be like, oh, just like good natured, always being like helping, uh, wanting to help out Bruce and like. So he's so patient with them or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like they kind of do um, – this is a different comic, but whatever. It's like you should check out Peter Tomasi's Superman, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's Superman because um, they kind of – they dig into a lot of like what it's like being uh, an older, more experienced Superman in this world. And there's a great issue where – he basically gets accepted by the green, but he has to like go like this. He has to go through the process with Swamp Thing. I think it's the annual, and because it's like the green hasn't accepted him yet because he's not from this universe. It's friggin' cool, but it kind of yeah, it kind of explores kind of some of the stuff you were just touching on, which is cool. I will say I like the concept of like I mean this isn't done by Francis Manipal, but I I only first found out about it in his comic. Uh, I love the concept of like Poison Ivy being like one of the protectors of the green. I'm like, yeah, yeah that seems like a logical explanation when you like build for, okay. For anyone who doesn't know what the green is, uh, DC comics did a whole thing where they made, um, when they launched a new 52, they, they hardlined stuff about there being the green and the red. Yeah. And basically the green is like all plant life on earth. It's all connected to like this. It's like it's the plant version of the speed force. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the red is all is all basically animal life, human and all that stuff. And so it's interesting to think like Poison Ivy, who is a plant based villain, villain whose whole thing has always been like protecting plants. It's a logical jump to put her as this defender of the green. I thought that was kind of neat. And I like that she wasn't like as a strip villain. She was doing borderline villain stuff. Like what she was doing isn't really like a good guy thing. But at the same time, her intentions are like altruistic. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think they've kind of started taking Ivy in that direction in the past like few years, which is cool. Like she's kind of more of a she's more like Catwoman in that way 
where it's like she's she jumps the fence you know um she kind of dances over the line which is cool uh but yeah i i, I liked i i love poison ivy as a con like as a character so i like love getting more stories with her in them um which is why i was stoked when she turned out to be be in this one um but yeah so and one thing we obviously it's gonna take a little bit to talk about so we should start it now is francis manipul's art and his like panel layouts and like just he's so good dude he's so good i was like dude this guy is destroying drawing comics just destroying it dude the first issue where it's got like the panels the, the opening wonder woman shot with all where all the panels form the wonder woman symbol and then it's got her at the front and then the next page is the batman establishing shot and all the panels form the bat symbol and batman is in front of it and it's just like dude and just his action sequences like it, it's we were huge fans of him and brian bucciolato's work on the flash in the new 52 and they did and you could you could that's where we i first fell in love with his like style and like i said at the beginning of this it's like it's a very distinct style but like particularly his panel layouts man it's just like it's just so creative and so like so unlike anything else that's going on in comics really like it's i think one of my favorite and this one anyways is uh bruce's whole segment stuff which is uh leans heavily on like nightmare and scarecrow kind of vibes like i don't know if that the person on the horse was supposed to be scarecrow or just a nightmare version of zorro like that was cool but like when 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 young bruce was falling and like superman catches him first and there's that half and half the way he draws his panel so like he has a clear like panel break and on the one half he's got superman looking like superman and on the other half you got what young bruce wayne like the kid bruce is like seeing in his eyes because he's freaking out and having a um i guess he got hit by fear toxin i'm not really sure but he's freaking out and he's scared and he sees this like demonic version of superman and then batman's one is like you know again he sees batman and then there's that perfect split down and the way it's drawn and then you get the full bat and then i like what he chose because like i couldn't really figure out what superman's one was to be honest but you know batman's was a big giant bat makes sense and then wonder woman's one was like a big giant minotaur minotaur yeah yeah, yeah. minotaur right and like and but then like they they do such a good job of blending uh he does such a good job of blending wonder woman in with like the minotaur yeah and her lasso turns into the like a chain that he's holding and like yeah like it's it's, so good dude like he's just he's just knocking it out of the park yeah and so one thing i love actually let's talk about that issue or that kind of sequence for a minute is that's when that's when batman's kind of going through his um confronting his all his baggage right and one thing that he's dealing with the theme of what he's dealing with here is like feeling responsible for everybody who's kind of died around him like jason todd like his parents like tim drake by the way so that's the other thing if you haven't been reading dc comics very recently at the beginning of rebirth in detective comics tim drake died um died with quotes around it because obviously he didn't actually die but like he died for a while and um bruce wasn't fast enough to save him he got like there's like some organization and he was a bunch of drones shot him. Um, and that's a, all the fallout of that is felt like Bruce in, they did, they address it kind of in all the comics that are happening at the time is like Bruce feels super responsible, but I love in this comic how he's like telling himself 
he's literally telling himself it's not my fault and then you have alfred saying it never was and i'll be here to remind you every day and it's like just a tiny little blip in the in the issue and it's just one page but it again it's all you need to like remind everybody how important alfred is in batman's existence right just kind of in the same way that clark and diana are it's like without these people like batman's such an interesting character he's such a lone wolf in all those like ways and you think you know but at the same time i think if he didn't have all these people around him if he didn't have alfred if he didn't have the justice league he would get totally lost so this is a massive tangent but i'm gonna go on it because deal with it the may i don't know if we'll ever actually read this storyline but what you just talked about is more or less actually how kind of tim drake was introduced as becoming the new robin in like way way back when right so what Essentially, after like Jason Todd died, for a while there, they didn't have uh, a Robin for Batman. And so the argument became from like Tim Drake was that he actually figured out Batman's identity, seeked him out, and was ba- it was basically trying to convince Dick Grayson to come back as Robin. Because he's like, oh, he needs a Robin. He's getting too dark. But this time, like, yeah. Dick and Batman weren't on good terms. Or they didn't really like talk to each other or anything like this because... Dick had gone off and he was now Nightwing and he was rolling with the Titans. And so there's a storyline that's done where uh, it takes place over some Titan comics, some Nightwing, I think Nightwing comic and like Batman comics. And it's just all about how Batman's getting darker and darker because he doesn't have Robin with him. And then eventually Tim Drake gets the Robin costume because they're like, oh, you're right. Batman needs a Robin. And it is true. Like if Batman didn't have all these people with him he would he would absolutely be that kind of person that would just sink into this into isolation and instead, instead of addressing any of his issues so he's it's very funny that he's got like one of the biggest like like social group of heroes and psychics that he's just <laughs> yeah. kind of surrounded himself with for someone that's like always like i'm a lone wolf it's like really though yeah you got like seven kids like seven kids that you didn't need to adopt either one of them yeah. is your actual kid yeah and <laughs> and like the rest of them you adopted them <laughs> yeah no for sure it's so true it's it's like I, th- I think that's one of the most interesting parts of him i don't know I, I love that fun fact he's literally actually adopted all of them so there is yeah. an issue there's a comic issue where he do- officially adopts dick grayson it's like way down the line like dick was always his ward um I don't know about Jason. I think Jason he's still estranged with, but uh, Tim Drake, he, do- he officially adopted uh, not long after his dad died. Okay. Uh, and then he also officially adopted, like, Sandra Kane. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's, like, these are, like, full issues where, like, he just, like, pulls up the adoption papers and he's like, I want to officially adopt you as my child. <laughs> he's just addicted to adopting. It's like, <laughs> Bruce, you got to chill out on the adopting, man. <laughs> You're adopting too many people. <laughs> Alfred, I'd like to adopt you. <laughs> what? Dude, you gotta relax man um okay back on track and we should wrap this up because you gotta get out of here so trinity francis manipul you guys should definitely go check it out it's uh it was honestly one of the highlights out of the dc rebirth for me um yeah it, it's it's just a great book his art is amazing also go check out him and brian bucciolato's flash run if you want more of that sweet sweet art goodness and yeah it's just a great story and i think it's a good like brendan said it's maybe not the best like jumping on point if you're not like super familiar with what's going on at around rebirth time because uh, they do kind of they don't he doesn't really hold your hand it's more like i'm gonna assume you know what's happening um which is fine uh so yeah if, if you uh, maybe maybe brush up on your continuity before you check it out but definitely check it out it's a great book 
I think that's going to wrap up our discussion of it today, though. If you guys liked what you heard and you want to tune in next week, Brendan, hit me with what we're reading. All right, man. We've got some options for you to choose from. Ding, ding, Option ding, ding, ding. one, <laughs> Snot Girl, Volume 1. It's uh, by Brian Lee O'Malley. I, that's, you're starting strong. That sounds like a, I really want to read that one, but continue. All right. <laughs> Option uh, two, starting strong, ending quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? <laughs> uh, uh, actually, option two, I'm going to say, is uh, Young Avengers. Young Avengers. Yeah, Ooh, you know who's... what, dude? So here's my thing. Um, there's a few options, but I think we're going to go with uh, when I give you, when I'm giving you option two for Young Avengers, I'm going to give you Young Avengers um, specifically when they first introduced all the characters. This is way back when. This is roughly around the same time that we actually started reading uh the avengers comics again and like in a few few early episodes that's like that's when it was back in the history but it introduced a lot of characters that i actually think um that the marvel comics films might look into like using to expand upon their future doesn't matter i don't know but it's also a fun comic i think it would be entertaining to read so that is option two option three i'm going to give you is a deadly class oh that's the recommender yeah which is phenomenal uh and is all over the place so deadly class is definitely one i want to check out i'm gonna have to go with snot girl for next week though i really want to read it and it's been on my list for a long time uh so that is going to be snot girl by brian lee o'malley and art by leslie hung yeah, so that's what we're going to be checking out next week. Be sure to tune in if you want to hear us chat about that. And thank you guys very much for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, you can head on to our, over to our website at stackpod.com. You can check out our whole archive up there. We got everything up there. Uh, also, be sure to connect with us on social media um, if you want to, you know, hit us with your feedback, uh, what you like about the show, what you don't. Uh, give us some suggestions for comics you want us to check out, people you want us to interview, any of that stuff. Hit us up on social media. Um, you can find us at Stack Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and whatever app you're, fo- you're listening to this on. If you are not already following or subscribed to the show, you should do that now uh, so you don't miss any stacked content. Thank you guys very much for tuning in to Stack today. Until next time. Keep on reading.